Hey everybody, I'm Tim Whitaker, along with Rob McMichael and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived and how we can better represent his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little more about us, let's get into this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 63, where we discuss one of Tim's favorite topics, President Trump and the evangelical right. We first lay the groundwork on where we all fall in the political spectrum, and then discuss the evangelical basis support of President Trump. As Christians, we are to hold one another accountable to live a life that is worthy of Christ, but we feel in the political realm that belief is often thrown out the window. Join us as we discuss this big topic and respond to some live listeners. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. We are, are we 30 days into quarantine? We got to be getting close. Not quite. Uh, no, this, feels, is, this, is, this is my third week. All right, we, are, we are 21 days. <laughs> <laughs> I've been home since it was the Monday before my birthday. The 16th. Okay. So we're in this. We got a ways to go. Three weeks. They're saying at least April 30th minimum right now. So yes, Starbucks just extended our uh, quarantine benefits through March or through May 3rd. I mean, wow. Wow. Which is cool. It means I'm getting paid. (laughs) We are applying for, um, there's a small business, like um, part of the stimulus package that went through Mm -hmm. that gives us uh, pretty much a forgivable, a forgivable loan for a certain amount of uh, money. Um, so we're applying for that tomorrow when it opens. So knock on wood, if we get that, we'll be in great shape. But if not, it's going to be a very interesting few weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Running a small business. And obviously well, we want to keep a lot of like unemployment stuff too, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, a ton. But the, the thing is the government is trying to incentivize small business employers. And I think also larger companies not to send their people on unemployment because it overloads their systems. Right. So part of this package is that we're eligible as long as we have either a kept people on our payroll this whole time, or are going to hire the same amount of people back once we get the money, uh, which is great because I don't think any good employer wants people on unemployment sitting at home, obviously. Um, and I think we, we've all seen too, that unemployment numbers are right rec- i mean it went from i think the record from it was like record was like, lows to record highs well <laughs> i think like the highest record though for unemployment in like a week was two hundred eighty thousand or something like that and it shot up to three million last week and i think it hit six million this week so wow. it's like i mean i don't even know how the government could keep up with that many right applications you know? or whatever yeah. no exactly exactly so anyway so it's very interesting we'll see what happens but this is um <clears throat> We're just trying to weather the storm, man, <laughs> to see what happens, you know? Yeah. So anyway, listen, everyone, thank you so much for joining. This is going to be a fun episode. Um, if you have ever been on my Facebook or know me as a human being, uh, Trump comes up pretty often and a lot of discussion or debating usually ensues. And now that we're kind of doing this uh, Facebook Live platform and have a little more time to respond to people in the moment, I thought this would be a great topic for us to talk about the evangelical um, 
I don't know, support, I'll say, I'll put that nicely. I was, I was going to say obsession, but people would be like, <laughs> no, Tim, you're overblowing it. It's not an obsession. So fine. Um, we'll just say that, you know, um, the support of Trump has always perplexed me. I've argued, I've argued with, with friends and people that I don't even talk to a whole lot on social media, but tonight is designed to be interactive. So if you have comments or a question, or you want to argue with us, feel free to put it in the message box. That would be great. Just keep in mind that there is a slight delay from when I'm saying this to when it reaches that live stream. So if we don't respond right away, we will get it once we see it in the comments. So I think that being said, I think we should hop right into it. Um, if you guys are good with that. Good. I think that it's important before we go forward to establish a few things. Number one, at the end of the day, as Christ followers, we're all Christ followers, even Trump supporters and even non-Trump supporters. So I think it's important that we put that out there, that obviously our faith and our allegiance to Jesus has got to, uh, has got to supersede. I was, I was going to say Trump <laughs> has got to Trump, um, has got to supersede our political, um, you know, beliefs and persuasions. However, there is obviously room for debate and discussion. That's part of the process. And this is just one of the many conversations that people are having all over the place. So if we disagree on this issue, no worries. It's not a personal thing. It's just part of this, how this subject and how this uh, topic can go sometimes. So Robin Jordan, I, I felt like maybe we should start off with where we think we tend to land politically on the spectrum. So people know the perspective that we're coming from right away. So sure. Um, Jordan, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I've always considered myself more on the conservative side, but not like a diehard conservative. I also don't engage with politics all that much. I was just saying to the guys that I never voted in a presidential election, <laughs> not really by choice so much as just circumstance like not being registered in time after we moved across the country, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think kind of definitely more conservative on a lot of issues. And, but as far as Trump goes, I don't, I've never been like a Trump supporter. But right. at the same time, I'll put, I'll say this too. I think the people overblow the negative aspects of him also mm -hmm. okay rob um <laughs> so before we were talking about where we land on the political spectrum and i had to be the guy that was like well tim i don't think i'm even on the spectrum there's always <laughs> one there's always that guy at the party it's like well i let me tell you why i don't fall into your categories like, mm -hmm. okay but but the reason i would say that is because i am unlike jordan who has never voted not out of choice but out of circumstances i have never voted out of choice um and we've covered that on various podcasts in the past but um so i'm not i i as we said before i'm not one that believes every christian everywhere should never vote i think it's one of those things that's a personal conviction and what mine is to refrain from political engagement now saying that I believe my personal views and how I look at things fall more in line with the conservative viewpoint on a lot of things like a fiscal conservative and um, things like that. But I don't agree with how integrated, if you're a Christian, then you're a conservative. And if you're a conservative, then you're probably a Christian. 
Um, so I have some serious issues with that kind of thing, but yeah. that's kind Same. of where I land. Okay. I probably tend, um, it honestly, I, I would say it depends on the issue for me. Uh, some issues I'm definitely more conservative, some a little more liberal on. Um, so it just depends. And, you know, I think a lot of people who have encountered me on social media think I'm probably way far left, but <laughs> it's really not the case. I'm just pushing against a real it. far right agenda. <laughs> I've had to sense. explain to people, Tim, that you're not as liberal as you seem. <laughs> no, I've done that before. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I found? I think because I, because I'm part of the Christian community and because I'm part of uh, that world and I'm seeing so many people so uh, high, like high energy, uh, so energetically supporting Trump where like, there's almost no room for, I, I would say being honest about who he is as a person, as a president, that makes me kind of push <laughs> the other way. And then people think, oh, you must be some like far left guy. And I'm really not on a lot of issues. Um, so I think that's important to recognize that just because I'm pushing against um, my own faith movement by and large in America, um, politically, does not mean that somehow I am an AOC supporter that I can't wait for Bernie Sanders to hop in the White House and just take over, you know? Um, if, if Christians were, 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 were diehard Hillary Clinton supporters, I'd probably be just as loud about mm. how can you support someone like Hillary Clinton? Here's all the reasons. So <laughs> that's just kind of, I, I'm kind of finding myself um, a victim of circumstance, I guess, you know, like it just happens to be that people love this guy. I can't see it for the life of me as a Christian. Why? And so therefore I get way too involved on Facebook, wasting too much time changing no one's mind. <laughs> right. That's the reality. So yeah, it really depends on the issue. A couple, like I'll give you a couple, a couple of examples. I would say as far as like, of course, abortion, I'm probably way more conservative than most liberals would be. Um, although I do support a very comprehensive approach to that issue, which we discussed here before. Um, I'm pretty liberal as far as like LGBT rights, as far as what um, I would say governmental marriage looks like here, as far as gays being able to get married. It doesn't bother me. I think, I think it's my personal view on that issue shouldn't affect if people want to do that or not in our, in our country, for example. Yeah. So, you know, so there, there's two examples of like, I'm kind of on one side on one issue and on the other side, on another issue. And I feel like that's almost the hardest place to be because we're in a very polarized society and we're in a very like, um, you're either left, you're either right. You, you, you have to hate the other by definition. There's no wiggle, wiggle room. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I know, I know I'm not the only person. I think you, you and uh, Jordan and Rob would agree. We're not the only people who are trying to find like some tension middle ground uh, or also trying to say, hey, these issues are way bigger than just what this meme says about this one topic. There's way more going on. Um, so it's, it's way more nuanced usually than what we, we tend to think, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed is that there's been this shift from, and Maybe I've not so much noticed. I won't give myself credit for that. I've not noticed so much as I have had my attention drawn to by listening to other smart people talk about um, this sort of shift from I don't agree with your ideas to I'm against you as a person mm -hmm. um, on both sides of it. And that's actually, I recommend it to you, Tim, today, but I'd recommend it to anyone. Uh, Dan Carlin, who does a bunch of podcasts, is an awesome mm -hmm. Post guy, he does a great history podcast, but he used to do one um, called Common Sense, also, which is kind of like a current events political thing. It's great. Basically, when Trump got elected, he was like, I don't have anything to say anymore. And you'll have to listen to his reasons. It wasn't necessarily for why you think, mm. um, more just because of the polarization between 
the different sides is why he stopped doing it. But he actually just posted one in the last couple of days on that channel. And it was great. He talked a lot about that. Um, just kind of where we've come from as far as like the dialogue and the discourse that we can have politically and how that's changed over the years. And he's been in that field for a long time. He was a, an AM radio guy back in like the nineties. Um, so he's kind of seen that come, you know, through the last three decades. Um, but yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, that's a big shift, I think, from I don't like your idea to I don't like you as a person. And you're right. There's a lot mm -hmm. of that happening now more and more on both sides. Again, I happen to live more in the conservative bubble. Um, I grew up listening to talk radio, listening to Sean Hannity, to Rush Limbaugh. So I know for a fact how they do it. I'm not sure how people on the left more so do it besides clips I see, you know, here and there online. But there definitely is um, something to be said about that. You know, I mean, for example, today, I still tune in sometimes, listen to whoever's on uh, conservative talk radio, just to see like, how, they're, how they're saying things, how they're positioning whatever Trump said or didn't say. And uh, today, Sean Hannity has a whole segment on how, you know, Governor Cuomo is just, you know, New York City just was never prepared for this crisis and, you know, how, how they, they, they didn't take it seriously enough. Yet, Sean Hannity, a month and a half ago, was also not taking it seriously. So I, right. I get so frustrated because I'm like, well, this is, first off, you're not doing anything good by, by trying to uh, fling more mud, uh, especially in a time like this. But number mm -hmm. two, you're hypocritically doing it because we have you on record downplaying right. this because- <laughs> What do they think they're like, going to get away from? There are clips of this I mean, online. And the same thing could be said for our president also, for sure. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. What is he thinking that we're going to be like, just forget what he posted on well, Twitter? Well, you know, here's the thing, though. Ago. I think this, this kind of launches into our topic. It is amazing because I have encountered people both in person and online who, when you, when you show them direct quotes of like A quote, B quote, President Trump says, it's not a big deal. And then he says, I knew it was a big deal a long time ago. They just rationalize it as like, well... He didn't mean it like that. That's not what he meant. Right. You know, you're you're twisting things. And well, it's that's like, the same thing like when they go on like campuses and those guys that like will talk to students and they'll like tell them a quote, but tell them it's the wrong person or something and be yes. like, Obama said this. Do you support it? And then it wasn't actually Obama. It was like Hitler or yeah. <laughs> right. something like that. Right. Exactly. And I just <laughs> yeah. feel like sometimes I'm like, I'm like, what world am I living in where I mean, I shared that 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 stupid meme a couple of days ago of it's very direct and it, it's also accurate of president Trump saying like, I guess a month and a half ago, this thing isn't a big deal. And then saying a couple of days ago, I knew this was coming before, you know, I knew it was going to be a big deal. And people are just like, yeah, well, so you, you know, lied to us. <laughs> right. Yeah. But they don't call it that because yeah. they just call it, Oh, that's just how Trump talks. He's just exaggerating, you know? <laughs> so it's just interesting. And listen, make no mistake, everyone. I know this happens on the left too. However, Here's the difference for me. As Christians, if we're claiming to be followers of Christ, we should be concerned about being honest. I can't speak for what a non-Christian would do or for what, you know, someone who, who is maybe on the left who is an atheist. I can't speak for how they're supposed to live their life. However, I can speak for how Christians are supposed to live their life. And when Christians get in the mud and just keep throwing mud at the other side while not taking an honest look at their own president, who they support so vigorously, saying things that are completely contradictory, uh, contradictory to each yep. other. And people just like, you know, they, they brush it off. It's like, guys, 
who do you think you're joking? Like, who do you, who do you think is believing you guys right now? I ha- it's on a record. The internet saves everything. Here's quote A, here's quote B. Only one of them is true. And you're saying they're both true. It makes no sense to me. Right. As Christians, we have the Sermon on the Mount where Christ says, let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays. Say, it didn't if say that. It said yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, King Jamesian. <laughs> what are you, what uh, are you reading? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we should be holding each other accountable if we are professing Christ to, okay, you know what? I did make a mistake there, and I have since changed my mind, and this is the reason why. Not, well, I've basically been saying the same thing the whole time. No, you haven't. Yes. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you, Tim, there, that there there is this sense of accountability that we have as Christians to hold each other to a higher standard that I wouldn't, I'm not going to just hold anybody to. I mean, I think it's human decency that we should for be sure. able to, to own up to when we are wrong and stand up for what is right. But there is the higher level as fellow Christians to do that. Well, here's the other thing too. And I grew up in church my whole life, my whole life. You're taught that we're supposed to be, um, you know, not of the world. We're supposed to be separate from the world, that we act differently than the world. And then I watch my fellow people in the faith acting just like the world in the political sphere and thinking that it's totally okay because they're on some, they're somehow on God's side of this issue, which is, that's a whole different rabbit hole. But the point is, is that it's, it's kind of weird to see people who taught me as a kid in Sunday school, but how we're supposed to be above the fray, you know, totally now in the fray and then saying, no, no, it's the Democrats. It's not us. It's all the Democrats. And it's like, guys, like, I just don't know who we think that we're kidding. I just don't know who, who really thinks that that somehow, I, I don't know. I just feel like if you, if you take an honest look at the, at, at, at these words that are being said, I don't know how you can honestly say this president isn't lying all the time. And yes, politicians lie, but this is the one that a lot of evangelicals have put their full weight behind, especially now, now that we're almost four years in, there's not much more. I don't hear much of, well, I kind of felt forced to vote for him. Now it's like an all full court press, you know? Um, so it's a very interesting time. I just, I think that's why I'm so outspoken about it because I just don't get it. I, I just don't see where this allegiance is coming from to a guy that is in a lot of ways, very unchristian, <laughs> frankly. I think a lot of it comes from what some people see as like really key issues or bigger issues that are important to them as Christians and Trump, whether or not he's following through or whether or not he's, he's genuine about supporting those things, at least says that he supports those things. And there are a few things that, you know, he, he probably does. Um, And I think a lot of people in the church see those things as way more important. And so they're willing to overlook the other things or they're willing to look past those things as far as though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to explain that like sort of blind like excuse for those things. I mean, it'd be one thing because that's kind of where I fall is like, I do honestly see in, in my opinion and because my views on things, Trump has actually done some things that I agree with, you mm-hmm. know, pretty wholeheartedly. And he's done some things that I'm not super excited about. And he's definitely has a past of saying things and being a kind of person that I don't support as a person. Um, but I can kind of, I can separate that out and make that distinction between 
you know, this action and how I feel about it and this other action and how I feel about it. And neither of them has to completely color, you know, my support for him as the president. But it seems like a lot of Christians are taking this like, oh, well, he supported this issue. You know, he supports us as far as, um, you know, uh, uh, abortion rights and our pro-life perspective. And so I'm going to make excuses then for everything else and make it seem like everything else is also okay. I don't see that you have to do that. You know, you can be like, I'm, I'm glad he supports this, but also I'm not cool with how he's done these other things. (laughs) And Tim, just, just so we're clear, um, you aren't saying that we aren't to obey the authority of scripture in that we should be respectful and uh, be courteous of the authority of those that are over us. But you are saying this, there is something to be said um, about our support for someone, our wholehearted support, as if it was Christ himself sitting in the White House. Um, Would that be an appropriate distinction? Yes. um, I just wish that standard was applied evenly. Um, right, right, right. You know what I mean? And I think that's, again, another reason why I push back mm-hmm. is I always ask people like, hey, I would really believe that uh, that you believed in respecting the authorities over you if I saw this out of your mouth when Obama was in office. But instead, if I look at your feed, I see the opposite, <laughs> how he's a socialist <laughs> taking over America and he's terrible for the country and we can't wait to get him out and that he's not my president, yada, yada, yada. Um, and it's like, well, so now we're going to take Bible verses and apply them when it's the guy that we like. Oh, no, 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 Tim, we can't fight. We Romans 13, 1, we have to respect the governing authorities. But whenever it's AOC or it's Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, it's just full about mud. You know, it's just, it's mudslinging. Oh, AOC doesn't know this or, you know, and by the way, for the record, I'm not saying that we can't just really have that, that, that debate and that argument. I think that we can. But when it, it just seems a very slight application of such scriptures when it's a guy that we that we like when it's a guy that we don't like those scriptures don't apply we have to get mm-hmm. them out of office as soon as possible because they're ruining america we definitely don't have to respect them that's for sure right does that make sense yeah no, yes. yeah no and i i totally agree that there there should be the attitude in us no matter who is in the white house um or who is in our local court or who our boss is or um, who our employees are. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We should still have the, the respect for a position while still we, we can have the attitude of seeking to challenge and right wrongs and do all of that. And I think there's, there is a distinction between those two things. Well, yes. And might I also add, and again, I, I'm, I'm, some of this is just, um, you know, I'm just kind of dreaming here. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying that, 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 that this is a reality or what can really happen. But I really wish that, I mean, just think this through. Imagine if the evangelical right, when, um, when whoever, let's say Joe Biden gets elected to office, which who knows, but let's say he is. The evangelical right, what if instead of um, launching a full-on attack on Biden and his liberal policies are coming to destroy America, what if they just petitioned Biden for a seat at the table as support? Like, Biden, you're our leader we, we believe that God puts you in authority over us because God selects this stuff and we want to help and we want to be able to offer input and make America as great as it can. Yeah, we're going to disagree, but we want you to know that we're here to help build. 
That'd be so different than I can't wait for the memes I'm going to see you know, about how Biden's a socialist and how Hunter Biden should be thrown in prison for what he did in Ukraine and how, you know, Biden did this and Biden did that and Biden's trash and Rush Limbaugh saying how Biden's going to ruin America. That, that kind of talk, that is of the world, first off. And second of, all, second of all, it only adds to more chaos and destruction. It doesn't help anything. It just continues to fuel fires. So I think as long as, 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 we, as we have this perception that conservatives are trying to save America and liberals are trying to destroy America, as long as that perception is in play, we're, we're in for a long road because I really, and I have talked to a few people, not everyone. I'm, and again, my, my perspective isn't necessarily, I can't prove that it speaks for the majority, but in my limited interactions with people, there are people out there who truly believe that liberals are trying to actively destroy America and most conservatives are actively trying to save America. That is a real thing from real people, at least more than five that I've talked to. So at least that many people, and I'm sure there's more. <laughs> what and as, what like, a large percentage of the Oh, well, yeah, but no, I mean, I'll put it this way. I don't think Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity would be so popular if that wasn't a thing out there. You know, they're, they are no, the uh, uh, number one, number two highest talk radio shows of all time. Millions of listeners every week, and most like them. So there is the belief that, the Democrats want to ruin everything and Republicans are trying to save it and bring America back to God. And it's a very twisted um, narrative. Um, and even the, the, the little bit that I've read over American history, and I've read so little, but just a few books that I have read really kind of explain how a lot of this kind of got to where it is. And it's, it's pretty surprising stuff. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what would be your response to Jesse's comment? Um, that the support of Trump, quote unquote, support of Trump in the evangelical community is not so much a support of his rhetoric, but that you are hearing the main proponents or the loudest proponents being those ones that are the all in supporters, and they are the most vocal. It's, it's the, it's the age old thing of the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so the ones that are yelling and screaming and, and doing huge commotions are the ones that are loudest in the community, but maybe aren't the ones that make up the bulk of the community. Well, I would say a couple of things. Number one, um, watch any of his pep rallies, watch any of his rallies that, that draw these huge crowds as people, as pundits like to, huge. you know, they like to mention that. And Trump likes to mention it too, how big his crowds are and listen to the rhetoric that he says, listen to how he attacks his opponents, listen to how he twists things and says a lot of exaggerations now, people totally eat it up and cheer like crazy. Now, you might say, well, that's still a small percentage because, you know, it's only a couple thousand people, maybe 10,000 people. Um, that's true. But then look at some of his biggest supporters. I mean, Jerry Falwell Jr. runs the world's largest Christian university, Bethel Church. And I'm a big fan of Bethel's worship. As you guys know, I do a lot of their songs. They are big President Trump supporters. Bill, Brian Johnson Jr., his Instagram for a long time was just was just plain old Trump support all the way through. They've been to the White House uh, during, I'm trying to think of when it was, maybe a couple months ago, Trump did a big rally with a lot of evangelical leaders who came out. These are like people who oversee other big ministries of other big ministries. And they're all there supporting the president, praying over him. So even if, let's say maybe like um, the average church folk, let's say maybe 30% of them were kind of torn they have leaders in positions who are not torn. They are fully dedicated to what Trump is doing and are convinced 
that yes, Trump and what he does is best for America. That has to include the rhetoric. You you obviously know what you're going to get when you when you support Trump on a public platform. You know what he said. You know the the clips that we found before the you know before the election about grabbing women. We, we know all that. So obviously you know what he said, but that is outweighed by whatever that perception is that he's doing some kind of godly good for America, whatever that would be, whether it's abortion issue or um, fiscally conservative policies, which I'm not even sure how conservative they are, conservative they are right now, but as an example. Does that make sense? Yeah. What would you, I mean, I was going to ask, would you consider a pastor just going to the White House and praying over the president in the Oval Office like yeah, hundred percent support. I mean, I know. No, that's you're saying, right. It's there were plenty. There, there were pastors that went while Obama was in office and prayed for Obama too. That, that is true. Now, listen. This, this is more my just my opinion. I can't back any of this up. If, if someone said Tim, President Trump wants you to come and like pray over him, which I, okay, whatever. But like, if I, if that was up to me, I would probably go do it. Um, because regardless of my politics, I'm still called to you know, like you said, Romans thirteen mm-hmm. one I think does apply and. Praying over him could be part of that healing process of trying to bridge, you know, bridge, uh, bridge divides. Um, so I don't know, um, but I will say that the people I've referenced, the Jerry Falwells, the Brian Johnsons, the Bethels, um, have also been outspokenly supportive of Trump. Um, there might be a few people who have said, hey, I'm not a big fan of Trump, but he asked me to come pray for him. But again, I'm just going off what I've seen from the president. He doesn't like people who don't like him. He's pretty blatantly like you're not welcome you're not in uh, whether that's someone from the press or a political opponent or anyone who speaks out against them so i don't have reason well, to I believe mean, that would be the case that's almost to jesse's point i feel like though that the fact that the president does that and gives a platform to the people who already agree with him and like him is kind of just fuels that cycle of you're seeing the people who are diehard supporters because they're the ones that are getting the platform and the voice yeah, but that's that for any sense? president, though. I mean, any president wants. Yeah, but I mean, right? I mean, you just said more so. Was what? that what you meant? That he does that more so than other yes. presidents have in yes. the past. Yes. Yeah. From again, that's my uh, point. This is kind of my again, just per opinion, you know. But I would, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of. I personally can't think of any major evangelical leader um, who was close to President Obama. Um, whether they supported him or not, I can't think of anyone that I know of who was like, guys, you know, I'm behind Obama, I'm praying for him, I'm in his cabinet, I'm giving him advice. So this is definitely, I mean, we have to call a spade a spade. The evangelical culture we're in does lean very heavily to the right side, uh, politically speaking. Yeah, for sure. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. So, um, okay. but I think that's, I mean, I'm just to that point, I think that's part of what it is though, is that the evangelical community leans to the right side and Trump happens to be on the, the not the right side, I mean, right, the right. correct side, but the, <laughs> right. the right side of the aisle. Um, and, and that's, who's there right now. And yeah, I don't know. I, again, I, I, I don't completely understand the people that are Christians and have this blind you know, devotional support of him, you know, regardless of what he says. But I get the people who are just maybe more of that like silent majority category who, you know, support him, but don't necessarily agree with everything that he says because they're conservative, because they've supported, you know, conservative politicians forever. And most of the big issues that they care about are the ones that 
are supported by the conservative side. But that's also what's kind of funny, right? Like, if I may, I'm just going to play devil's advocate. So Trump isn't very against LGBT rights. He really isn't. I mean, he's kind of like just neutral on them. I don't think he's right. done a lot for them, but he hasn't done a, he hasn't done a ton against them either. And that was a very big evangelical right. Like it issue. was, it was and, as and big not- as it was though. I don't. And, and certainly in some circles would not be the case of what I'm going to say, but I feel like the pushback that happened at the time when that was coming out is not necessarily reflective of how evangelicals at large feel about that now. Yeah, but I think part of that- I I don't think think they're trying to fight that still. Well, I don't think so anymore because Trump doesn't really care about it. I think if Trump made that an issue, it would be an issue. So I- I, I, Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if Trump was like, you know, this is an issue, we got to fight, that would only- the base would be like, yes, like, I've been waiting for someone to say that. Like, we they gotta we gotta figure this out. Like, they, we gotta ban gay marriage, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wonder, like, what's really on principle and what's really on party? Does that make sense? Right. Okay. What do you really well, believe in? Know, for sure, it is. But but I with think every as, politician, yeah. Right. <laughs> but I think as the Christian, I have to always stand on principle, regardless of whose party I tend to fall into. I mean, mm-hmm. a good example of that for me is environmental issues. I am a very firm believer that God gave us the earth as a steward and we're not designed mm-hmm. to trash it. And I think a lot of people and companies do trash it. And I am a big believer that yes, the government should be able to, it should step in and regulate people trashing the environment. I think that, I think personally, that's a really, that's a Christian thing, but that tends to fall more on the left. Makes sense for some reason. I don't know why, sure. uh, but I think it tends to be more, it's known more of, as being like a left-leaning issue, but I don't care because to me, that's a principal issue. I believe that Genesis talks about the, the world is, is on loan from God to us. We have to take care of it. And I want to be able to support that personally. And also on a, on a um, political level, I don't care if that's a right issue or left issue. It doesn't matter to me. It's a principal issue. Right. Yeah. So that's how I feel with all these issues. It's like same thing with abortion or whatever. I'm like, okay, on principle, where, 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 does, this, where does this take me? That's where I'm going to go. Not so much, oh, my president hasn't said much about this issue, so I'm going to stop maybe being so concerned about it. It's right. not a big deal anymore. Yeah. When you look at, though, if you looked at President Trump and just particularly the things that he has done or taken action on while in office... I feel like that eliminates a lot of the like negative. Like if you're saying that you're just going to stand on principle and um, like these things that you agree with are important issues on principle and then line that up with has Trump actually done anything against that or for that issue, I feel like he would probably line up more with your principles than you think. Obviously, that's discounting a lot of things he says, a lot of the <laughs> bravado and, you know, the historical things before he was in office. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I know that that he uh, gutted the Clean Water Bill Act, which I don't I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't give him an, uh, a passing on that. Mm-hmm. But I do know that he has done things, obviously, in the pro-life section, politically speaking. Um, so yeah, that's he made right. animal cruelty a federal crime. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And he did something I think with autism as well, which I thought was great, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there've been a and, few things and, and yeah. others, I'm not saying the guy's evil and, and frankly, right. I don't think that, I don't think I wants to destroy America. I don't think that's the case either. Right. Like I'm not, 
I don't think yeah. anyone in politics wants to actively destroy America. Yeah. I think maybe they yeah. could be misled on something, but I don't think that's their heart. Um, it's tough with Trump because because of, of how much he lies. I don't know what he I, when he says something. I don't know what I don't know if he's pandering just to get the right. vote or if he's like I as as a person believe in this. And I think abortion right. is a good example for two reasons. Number one, a couple, you know, a couple of decades ago, he was very not pro-life. Uh, number two, and this is not just a Trump problem. I think this is, this is really um, a Republican problem that Christians have got to start realizing. Uh, every Republican since I think after Roe v. Wade or however long has promised that repeal or defunding Planned Parenthood. And it's just not the case. They kind of come and go. Now, some presidents do do something, you know, whether it's partial birth abortion ban, or I, I think uh, Trump did defund part of Planned Parenthood with the title X, you know, but it's never been what they've always, you know, kind of ran on of like, we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I think that Christians need to start really thinking about, okay, like, I, I, thought, I thought we shouldn't vote for that. But what now as on a church level can we do to start really fighting this issue, you know, or to start engaging it better? Because right. it, it's still happening. I mean, it's been like, what, 1970 got passed, so it's been close to 30, 40 years now. It's mm -hmm. still happening. Maybe we got a bigger approach, but that's a different you know, podcast discussion. Different yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, I was just going to say, though, in response to it, I agree with you that it's hard to know what he actually thinks as a person or even as a politician yes. in a vacuum, you know, without all of the stuff he says. And that's why I, I kind of came to that conclusion for myself of like, you know what, i feel like I just need to look at what this guy does, you know, mm -hmm. and what's actually coming out of this government in like a real tangible way. And it's still not all good, but at the same time, it's like, that's kind of the only way. And even though, I mean, we know that doesn't all come directly from him. You know, there's obviously teams and teams of people that are, you know, helping make decisions and putting things into action. It's tough. I I, I, don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean to fight you on that, Jordan. Well, that's the thing is, and again, I'm not trying to be combative with you, Jordan, but you just hear these like you hear from a lot of different sources, not just not just MSNBC, about if like Trump doesn't like what you said, you're pretty much gone. I mean, even Ben Shapiro interviewed a guy that left the, the his cabinet because Trump was like on the verge of crossing some ethical boundaries as far as how he was calling them, asking for favors. And so I think we have to be again. Doesn't mean. Like, I, I think the reason why Christians have a hard time admitting this stuff is because we've been taught that, like, Christians can't be wrong. Like, we just can't, we can't ever admit that, like, we made a mistake or we were on the wrong side of something. Mm. But I think there are times where it's like, guys, it's okay to admit that this really happened and that we made a mistake and we're going to reapproach. I mean, it's okay. No one, it's not the end of the world to admit that you're wrong. So I agree, Jordan, like, you have to see what he does. It's just, even that's hard to know because he is kind of a wild card and, I, I know some things that he's done. I know other things that he doesn't. And I know he tweets a lot. He tweets right. so much. And I think to myself, and I don't sure. want to ramble here, but again, I, I, just, I just look back to how evangelicals treated Obama versus how they treat mm -hmm. Trump. Obama was, a, was known, especially by the Sean Hannity's of the world, as the golfing president. Oh, a vacationing president. You want a president who's vacationing all the time? Not only is, is Trump on pace to out-golf Obama, as far as like where they were in the presidency, he's already passed that. Trump tweets all the time. And I'm like, what president has time to sit on Twitter? And he's, by the way, a lot of what he says is like, not nice. It's, it's almost kind of like, 
it's immature, it's childish. And I've heard people say, well, that's just his Twitter. You can't go by that. But this is the president of the world's most powerful country. He has the nuclear codes. So I'm going to hold him to a standard, including what he does on Twitter. You know, so it just it, and, it baffles me. Yeah, and to that point, any any brand consultant will tell you that you should be your brand across all platforms and you are your own brand. So who you are should be reflected in your Twitter, in your LinkedIn, in your Facebook, in real real time. Who you are should be uniform across all things. And I mean, you know as well as I that social media tends to bring out our worst, but we should be even above as Christ followers, we should be uniform on all of all platforms. Right. I just don't know why why Trump gets a pass yeah. from evangelicals on these kinds of issues. All right. Now, I, 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 you know, Ben Shapiro always says like two things can be true at the same time, you know, and he says it about Trump to be fair, which I appreciate, you know, Trump can do a good thing in policy and be a total jerk on Twitter and that's <laughs> wrong and that's good. But we should call mm -hmm. this out too. And yet by and large, it's pretty much cricket or it's defense or it's just defense. Well, that's just Twitter. You know, you can't, you can't take it seriously. What like what standard was Obama held to? Sean Hannity had a segment on President Obama asking for a great coupon on a hamburger and calling that like you know uh, being too rich, pretty much. I mean that's a real thing. You can YouTube it. That's the standard they held Obama to. All I'm asking is to hold the same standard to Trump, but they don't, <laughs> and it just it, it grinds my gears. Frankly, I'm like, you know, are we in the Twilight Zone? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just this. You know, it's a cycle of back and forth and revenge. It may be revenge yes, or yes. You know, getting well, back at okay. for what oh happened before. And it's been happening forever and it's been escalating and we're seeing it change and evolve over time. But I mean, this is the same thing. I don't know. You look at uh, the fall of the Roman Republic. This was happening. Not to say that that's where we're going necessarily. A lot of things are different, but that's exactly what was happening. It was like this escalating back and forth. Like I, I was on one side and didn't like what you guys did to me. And so now I'm in power and I'm going to do to you what you guys did to us. Of course, then it was murdering thousands of people that disagreed with you. But, you know, but, it's but, the same thought. Okay, you're right. I just expect Christians to stop the cycle sure but instead they're fueling the cycle that yeah. i think that's what i'm trying to say in so many words is that i expect christians to say hey the guy that we follow jesus says very directly well love your enemies all of yeah. them even your political here's, ones here's an important question in response to that though how many people that say they're evangelicals christians are actually christians or just are conservatives who go to church okay I, I think that's a great point and a great question. I think that should be another episode because that's a whole. Because Jordan, you and I did a study on this what like ten yeah. years ago, and that's still a relevant. Discussion. <laughs> it totally is relevant because you're right. There are a lot of layers to this for sure. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot, so I think that's a fair point that we can get into a different day. Um, but that, that the, I think the point still stays the same. If you're identifying as evangelical, I'll say I'm expecting you to wanting to stop. The nonsense not to add the tit tat you know of like well you hurt me so i'm gonna wrong you well they're gonna they wrong me again i'm gonna wrong them again and it's like mm -hmm. and this is where i get so confused because an evangelical well trump supports christian values 
But it's what they're really saying is he supports a few specific things that I think are Christian values, but also negates a bunch of other ones that I don't care about, like loving your enemy, or I'm going to rationalize away. So right. they're not a big concern to me, right? Like Trump is not a love your enemy kind of guy. Yeah, that's a word no. directly from Jesus <laughs> about what his followers are supposed to do. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, so really, really we're talking about a few specific issues. We're talking about abortion. We're talking about probably gun rights. And we're talking about the illusion of Christian persecution in America, which again will be for a whole different topic because <laughs> that idea is in a lot of ways very silly compared to what the majority of the world has to go through as far as persecution. Um, but those are the, I think I would say are the three big ones of like, oh, Trump supports this. Therefore, he's a good Christian candidate for president because he supports these three issues out of the tons that right. the Bible talks about, you know. And I, I think it's, there's so many facets to what I'm about to say. Oh, but Rob, you're so deep, <laughs> like a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a sense in which the Trump train, as it is, runs on the rails of we're take we're making our country great again. And I think depending on what rally you're at or what speech you listen to, our country means a lot of different things. Yeah. And in certain scenarios, our country means things that we as Christians would not stand for. Our country means things that we would stand for. Our country means things that are racially charged. Our country means things that are um, uh, religiously charged. So I, I think there is a danger in some of the rhetoric that is spewed out and what it means to get our country back or make our country great again. And I think that is one of the things that um, is very dangerous about the whole scenario. Yeah, I think that goes back again to like, who, who really are these people? Yeah. Like, are we getting to the heart of what these people actually believe? Do they have a legitimate, you know, Bible informed worldview that is, um, you know, based on the teachings of Jesus and the Bible? Or is it that they are conservative and they happen to also go to church? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I, f I felt like we, we looked at a study this is, I'm thinking back like eight months ago, maybe hmm. that was showing like, it was a, um, I'm, I'm remembering way too few details, but it was something about um, basically like what people, if they consider themselves like highly spiritual or if they went oh, to yeah, church yeah, yeah. And, and then like how they interacted with politics in relation mm -hmm. to that or something. Um, and it was interesting because it seemed to show that um, the people who just, who were more outspoken about, you know, conservative values and supporting our country were not the people who consider themselves like highly spiritual and went to church. It was like the people who went to church casually or something like right. that. It was right. just like this interesting, right. like as you got more serious about your faith, those things tended to drop off in this study. Whereas it was kind of hit this thing as like, you can be a little bit serious about, you know, you go to church, a few times a month and you call yourself an evangelical Christian, that's kind of the height, but you probably put, you know, patriotic values above biblical values. Right. Right. 
Yeah. That's a major issue. That's a, that's, man, that's a, again, you're right. A whole different discussion, but it's true. I mean, that is a, that idea of like, you're, you, you would think it's like, okay, your faith and then maybe your political leanings, but in our culture, especially, it just seems like it's very flipped where it's like, well, where do you stand politically? That will tell me if you're Christian, exactly. if you're atheist, and, it's like, whoa, what? How? And definitely diving into that's a whole other discussion, but I really feel like that's your answer to this discussion. <laughs> like that's why people, that's why evangelical Christians are so supportive of Trump is because those people, I think the mass of those people, maybe not a few of the more outspoken ones that you're yeah. seeing, but the mass of those people that would kind of call themselves evangelical Christians and blindly follow Trump would be people who are putting their political values and their identity as conservative and American above their identity as a Christ follower. That's that's true. And again, I can't say this is what I, what, I can't say this data is from the majority, but I would say the majority of people that I interact with personally, so again, for everyone else, but that I know are very solid Christians who are well-versed in the Bible, who are full believers, who like are church attenders. They're not just like, oh yeah, I go to church once a week. And they are still like diehard Trump supporters of like, this guy is just a saving grace to America. Like, thank God for Trump. He's bringing God back pretty much, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, so I don't know what to believe because I think you're right, Jordan. I think that's definitely a big part of it. But I think there definitely is a good amount of people too who are still mm -hmm. with it, you know, you know, Sunday morning, you know, Bible study, I'm in the word, I'm a follower Christian. Uh, but I also like just love Trump. I love how he sticks it to the media. I love how he tells the biased little media with their fake news that 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 they're fake news and you know all this stuff. And it just this is very like it's just weird to me because it is hard to sort through. It is hard to know mm -hmm. exactly. Okay, who is who? Who are these evangelical Christians that everyone talks about? Uh, you know, are they just like name only? I check Christian, but I'm right. I don't believe any of this. Or are they like Sunday morning card carrying Christians who tithe and are involved in the local church hard and yeah and maybe that that decision to to change those flip to flip those priorities maybe is not so much of like an identity one as an individual basis and just like a choice in the moment kind of one you know because right. and, and maybe it's a mistake maybe that's you know maybe those people need to reevaluate how they're thinking about things well and I, the choices they're making but yeah i think we need to be fair too and and you know I think that when the general election came along, people really were between a rock and a hard place, right? I mean, let's oh, sure. be honest about yeah. that. I mean, Hillary Clinton was, and I agree, probably the worst ever candidate in history to put up. And Trump was a close second. I mean, they were like, they're, they're <laughs> they fighting were, for happened it. to be together at the same <laughs> right. time. <laughs> right. And also, you know, a good point I think that we should mention is that um, a lot of times people say, well, you know, I was choosing between, between the lesser of two evils. Well, don't see it like that because the way the Republican caucus works, people vote for their nominee. So Trump definitely got a lot of votes over a lot of other way more qualified, a politicians and more qualified Christians. And yet Trump still beat them out for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, so I still put a lot of blame, you know, on the evangelical or on, I would say on, on, on the conservative right. And there's a good under foundation of evangelicals in that, in that um, you know, yeah. that voting block who I think did, voted for Trump over Mark Rubio, over Ted Cruz, over John Kasich, guys that were like, I think, way more solid on faith, on political issues, even more conservative, honestly, more conservative on LGBT issues, uh, probably more conservative on even abortion issues. 
So somehow Trump made it through. I don't know how that happened. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, that being well, said, yeah, go ahead. And, and you have to kind of remember where we were at that point in time as a country and that it was really, I think the focus of the majority of people was we want someone who's not just going to be part of the system. And if the people that were being put up against Trump seemed like they were just going to be part of the existing system and just kind of, you know, weave things a little bit more towards this side of the road and then the next one will go back towards the other side of the road. I mean, they were really like wanting somebody who was going to like break that down and do something totally different. And I think that is also comes into play when, when you look, when you see sort of the radical support, if you want to call it that for Trump in certain circles. Um, but, and, and this brings up a whole other, definitely a whole other discussion of <laughs> that's way too political for me and what I understand. But I know that in a very simplistic way, the, what we look for in a presidential candidate is often way different than what actually makes a good president. Yeah. And I think that's a problem with our system and the way we think about um, the election system. So definitely that's a different, I think that's a, a slightly different um, circumstances how Trump got elected. No, or how he sure, became sure. the, Definitely how he became the Republican candidate versus Hillary Clinton. It's kind of understandable how he got elected. Honestly, I mean, yeah, yeah that was... <laughs> I don't know what Democrats were thinking. All they had to do was put in anyone other than Hillary Clinton. Anyone. I know. Anyone other than Hillary Clinton. And yet, I mean, there are, I mean, let's face it too. There are, we all know there are backdoor things behind the scenes in politics as a whole that go on that we're never going to understand. Sure. That make decisions that are totally out of our control. I mean, I, I think House of Cards, that shows was almost too accurate in a lot of ways of like how dirty oh, yeah. that, that politics game is. So, a lot to it you know i just i guess what i'm trying to say is i just wish that maybe more evangelicals would critically think about these issues before just like blindly saying trump's our guy or like trump is you know bringing god back to america or like god bless <clears throat> trump you know it's like yeah man guys like we it's okay to be critical of, of these issues you know and and also frankly if evangelicals really got organized like for real they could probably put up their own third-party candidate and probably come close to winning the election. Honestly, like they're that big of a group. If they got together and like really put their money together and got organized, they could put up a viable third-party option and give us a whole different kind of American political system if they really wanted to. Yeah. So theocracy. There is something. Yeah, just what I want. <laughs> but there is something to be said about that. Like if people got if they got organized, they could put up really whoever they wanted. You know. Yeah. So. And I think more generally speaking, I think it's like. As a Christian, if you're going to interact with politics, and we all know Rob's not, but if you're going to, <laughs> then I feel like you have to be able to, like you were saying, Tim, you kind of have to be able to pick and choose what you agree with on principle. Like you can't, yes, maybe some there's some big flashy, you know, in your face issues that the conservatives align with more so than liberals, but you definitely can't say that about every issue. If you're going to stand on your principles as a Christian, you're going to have to kind of pick and choose issues from each party as right. you align with them personally. And I think, I mean, I think some of that comes back to just being ignorant and uninformed about what the issues actually are and what you actually agree with and sort of interacting with politics on this really surface level and not getting into things. And I'm guilty of that for sure. Yeah, we all um, are, I think. Yeah. 
but when you do that, you tend to be like, oh, okay, the system has given me two options. So I'm going to choose option B because that's the one that I fit into more. Well, yes, I, th I think that's a good point. And also, I'm, I, people are going to really disagree with this one, I think, but there's always the option of not voting. I mean, I'm so, I got to say, like, as the We're Christ voting follower, for a third party. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as the Christ follower. It, it, it exists. It's a thing. <laughs> as the Christ follower, if we really believe that, that our allegiance is not to any country or even of this world, you know, it's of the kingdom of Jesus, we should not feel that if we don't vote somehow we're sinning or like we're just you know it's yeah. it's unthinkable how could you not vote if, if there are really two people up there who you cannot find represent those interests as, you know um, as far as how you see them and you feel like you'd be compromising either way there's also the option not to cast a vote or like you said jordan to vote third party well, so tell me I, more about this well it just, <laughs> it just seems like to me rob that we were yeah who'd of, you vote for we neither of us voted <laughs> i voted third party, I voted okay. third party. yeah so um, we all took one of those options yeah that's for right. sure well because you know what there are some people who i've talked to who are like you have to vote like it's your god you don't know how lucky you are to be in a place that mm. vote and i under i understand the argument i realize not many people get the choice to actually vote for who they want in power i recognize that okay so maybe this is like a white privilege thing or something where it's like just don't do it guys you know meanwhile the majority of the world only hopes or wishes that that they could vote but we are in america this is where we live and i think that that should for the christian again be a viable option you know if we take the words of jesus seriously if we take the bible seriously that that there's something greater coming and that that ultimately america is not our home we should not feel like we are obligated to participate in its circus of mm -hmm. trying to elect someone to govern our nation um yeah ultimately. and de definitely send a message to the political party that relies on the evangelical vote to get them elected that they need to put up people who are more sure. in line with what we believe. <laughs> right. No, I mean, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I did want to bring up, um, excuse me. I want to bring up someone did shoot me a um, comment that I wanted to read and respond to. I'm not sure if he's still watching, but I thought it was a pretty good point, but I wanted to, to address it. So someone did write that um, in one of our comments, Trump doesn't need to be a Christian to support Christianity. Just like Biden doesn't have to be gay to support gay rights, the evangelical right doesn't like Trump because of his personal character, but because he promotes Christian rights and beliefs. I would like to respond to this a couple ways. Um, the first half about Trump doesn't need to be a Christian to support Christianity. I agree. The problem is that a lot of people, including Trump, have said that he is a Christian, <laughs> even though there's no fruit. Dr. James Dobson calling him a baby Christian, Paula White calling him a Christian, Jerry Falwell Jr. calling him a Christian, Trump trying to say he's a Christian. So this would kind of be like Biden saying that he's gay, even though he's married with a wife and has kids. <laughs> nothing that is at all in that world sexually. And people be like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, we believe him. Biden is definitely gay. It's like, no, there's no evidence. He's a baby gay. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how absurd He's that new. sounds to me. So I, I would agree with you, to the person who wrote this, that you're right. Someone does not have to be a Christian to support Christian, Christianity or even Christian principles. But when that person or people around him who are in the faith are claiming this person is a Christian, while there's absolutely no evidence, in fact, there's the opposite evidence, and I'll say it again, Trump is on the cover of Playboy magazine. That that thing still exists. And Jerry Falwell Jr. took a picture with Trump with that picture behind him. So there is a lot of evidence that Trump is not a Christian, but people like to put that label on him. That's another 
I think, big issue of people just sticking the word Christian on someone because he's mm-hmm. conservative. You know, Obama claimed to be a Christian, and the narrative for quite a few people was that he's secretly a Muslim or he's not a Christian, even though Obama claimed to be a Christian. So it's just funny to me that one guy who has D in front of his name can claim to be a Christian, and not a lot of people actually believe him in the evangelical community, but the guy who either barely claims to be a Christian or who has said things like, I don't like to ask for forgiveness, somehow gets stamped with Christian and all of a sudden we have to believe it. It just makes sense to me. So that was my response to that. And uh, the second part, you know, the evangelical right doesn't like Trump because of his personal character, but because he promotes Christian rights and beliefs. I think ultimately we kind of hit on this we already. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he promotes specific things that I think have been are either labeled Christian rights or are masquerading as Christian rights. Um, I don't think owning a gun is a Christian right either way. I don't think, I, I'm just being, I don't think the Bible talks about like, if you should be able to own a gun biblically or not, you know, it's not really a conversation that the Bible talks about. There are things about that principle of violence. I think, I think the Bible talks about that are open for debate, but I wouldn't make that like a Christian issue. Does that make sense? No. So. And as, as far as that goes, the path forward for Christianity to grow and spread was never using political figures or a political regime or political powers. Yeah, sometimes there were people in authority that were Christians that God would use. Sometimes there were people that weren't Christians in authority that God would use. Um, but that mostly got us the Catholic Church, and we all saw that <laughs> how that turned out. Ended up great, <laughs> but. Great. The, it's this like it's this idea that we that we have and i think it flows into some of the previous conversations we've had before about um our desire to have christianity validated by whether it's a political power or a celebrity or Mm -hmm. someone other than us to give us the authority and kind of like the feel good of oh we are doing the right thing here where it's like why don't you just have the Bible in Christ as enough? Or why don't you just have a relationship with God that's enough to justify your faith and adherence to biblical theology? Yeah. Or how about they're all going to hate you, but <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, where have I heard that before? Well, I think <laughs> like somebody we, told me that. <laughs> I think that we really assume that the Bible tells a story of people in power who controlled everything. But in reality, it's the complete opposite, starting from Exodus all the way through. You know, God's people were oftentimes enslaved. They were marginalized. They were a minority. When they became a majority power, they usually abused their power, as we see all throughout the story of the Israelites, um, enslaving other people or conquering other nations. Um, And the same thing even with Jesus. I mean, Jesus, the founder of our faith, was crucified and started a very small movement with 12 people. He was not in the position of power at that time. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like, I honestly, this is a personal thing. I wrestle with this. I wrestle with, as a Christian in America, who is, we have so much, we are the ones, economically speaking, in the world, the ones in power. Um, and even the label American carries a lot of weight o- across the world. So I am in that position of like, the top of like the food chain worldwide you know how as a christian do we handle this stuff because the bible really always speaks to the oppressed and the marginalized not so much the oppressors <laughs> or the ones who are doing the marginal uh, marginalization uh, and i'm not saying that america has always been the oppressed. i'm not saying that but we have to again have to be honest about our history and about what things that we've done 
Um, so I wrestle with that because the Bible, it could be hard for me to read and to get, because I'm not coming from that perspective of being on, on the outskirts, usually on the in, you know, because this is my, this is my yeah. culture. I think one of the main misconceptions amongst like the disciples and Jesus's followers when he was initially doing his ministry was that he was coming to wield this like crazy political yeah. power and overthrow yeah. the political. And he was like, no, you don't understand. That's not what I'm about. <laughs> you know, my kingdom is, you know, for winning hearts, not for winning political races. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. Tim Mackey talks about that all the time. Boom, there it is. Tim Mackey mentioned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. It took you I'm an hour in. and 10 uh, minutes. I'm trying to really hold off, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, Tim talks about that all the time, how the Bible is telling a story of that the kingdom of God is like a seed. It starts small and it kind of grows underground before it sprouts. Mm -hmm. It's not the top down. It's the bottom up approach, honestly. It's what it talks about all throughout the scripture. But we're just, that's a very... That goes against a lot of the brain and the fiber of like the American way, right? The mm -hmm. American way likes to be on top, the ones in power, the ones pulling the strings. I'm not making that. I'm, I'm not making. I'm not making a moral statement saying that. I'm just saying the difference of we read about this kingdom of God that starts, you know, with a few people and how the church grew when it was being persecuted, not when it was in power, right. um, and how the the. the story of the bible is about those people often i mean even king david for a while was being chased being hunted down and that's where we see so many of the psalms that were written so it's a very interesting thing because this book was really written from a perspective that we're not always used to and when we get a taste of it even a small taste a small taste we just think like it's the end of the world i mean it's interesting to me you know that yeah. Once someone threatens whatever, you know, an atheist brings a lawsuit about having one nation under God in the pledge. Oh, this is the end. America's over. Like, you know, they're coming for us. You, you know, not to mention that that adding one nation under God into our pledge happened in like the 1920s. It wasn't even like a founding part of our, our country, but different <laughs> discussion. So it's just interesting because when we get small tastes of another group wanting some kind of political power or leadership power or influencing power we freak out and think like it's in times so it's it's very very interesting thing to see you know? yeah yeah i'm done <laughs> <laughs> well i think to end this conversation rob we could button up with this i agree that um the primary mechanism that god uses to bring about change and to bring out his kingdom is usually not a political party or a political system. Usually it's people who are acting as God's representatives and uh, ushering his kingdom in via the church. And I think this is a, a good time to say, like, if you want to see change, then the church needs you to step up and be the change. I mean, that's just how it, that's how it's designed to work. I think that one issue that we, we struggle with in our church culture in America is that we're so used to church being a Sunday morning gathering that we're not used to it being active in like really rough communities all the time. I know a lot of churches are for sure. I think a lot of churches are doing a lot of good. I think all churches at some level want to do good beyond just a Sunday morning experience. I think that's great. But we can do more by spending more time outside the doors than in the doors. You know, I think that, that the church can be the biggest change for abortion declining. It can be the biggest change for seeing people come together and not being separated. It can be the biggest change for the single mom who is living off of uh, food stamps because she has nowhere else to turn. You know, I think the, that not the government, but the church has that potential. But if the church won't step up 
to do that, the government will step in because part of its role as a government is not to let people, you know, fall through the cracks as much as possible. Yeah, I, I think it's the the human way though, and it doesn't escape Christians either. Is well, I'd rather somebody else do that for me. Yeah. And there are a lot of leaders and pastors and devoted Christians that are doing those types of ministries and doing great things and reaching out to the the outcasts of society. But as like you were speaking, as a whole, the bulk of Christianity goes to church on Sunday, goes home, and never thinks about it again. Right. Where if we were to take that bulk of Christianity, instead of saying, well, I'm going to um, call, I'm going to vote in leaders that will do this stuff for me and make my life easier. How about we just go out and do it? And that's a challenge to myself as it is to anybody else is to do what I'm asking others to do in my own community, in my own sphere. I mean, if, if you take just one, let's just take one statement from Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. Forget everything else you said right now. If you just focus on that one thing and try and live that out, that will change your life. That will change how you see people. It will change even how you feel about people because what does Jesus teach us? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor how you want to be treated. You know, love your neighbor how, how love your neighbor well, pretty much, you know? And so it's like, well, what does that really look like? And I'll give you a hint. It doesn't look like just going to a church Sunday morning and going home and never talking to your neighbor. That's what it doesn't look like. That I can definitely say safely, that is not loving your neighbor. And I would even go as far to say as, well, I think it's good to invite your neighbor to a church service. I don't think that goes far enough. Has your neighbor right. been over to your house? Have you guys gotten dinner? Have you reached out to your neighbor? It's awkward. Listen, I don't want to do it. I live in New Jersey, okay? It's weird to go to your neighbor's house and knock on the door and say, hey, I'm your neighbor. That's weird. But it doesn't matter because my command from, from Jesus is to love my neighbor. It doesn't matter what context I'm in. There's no answers for much about that. And if, if your neighbor, the first thing that they're hearing from you is an invitation to church or something about the gospel, you've missed the mark already. Um, and yeah, obviously if in the first conversation you have with your neighbor that comes up, it's not like you're like, Oh, well, got to avoid that this time. Um, but that shouldn't be, Oh, my mission here is I'm yes. going to get Jesus into this conversation right away. That's right. Because guess what? If you're living for the Lord, if you're living a life to please him, it will come out and it will have the opportunity to make that invitation or get the the gospel in there but if that's the first thing that they hear i'm telling you the walls are going to go up right away no matter what well i think that is part of why people are so guarded because again i don't think this is intentional but unintentionally we treated people like projects okay right. how many people did you get saved this week how many people signed the card how many people walked down the aisle okay that's not that's nice but where's the relationship? You know, if all someone does in your church is walk down the aisle and sign a card, you never see them again, you're missing the whole point of the human experience. It's relationship. Yeah. It's not just signing cards. And I think the same thing, Bob, when you go to your neighbor and say, hey, my name is Tim. Oh, I'm a Christian. You know, people think, okay, here we go. I'm going to be proselytized to I'm this person's project. They're going to feel like they always have to tell me about Jesus. And it's like that will come up when you just learn how to love people well. You, you yeah. love someone well, and you spend time with them, faith always comes up. It's just a matter of time. I think that should be our, our question to each other is, how many people did you love well this week? Yes. 
Yes. Just six feet apart. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> For the record, everyone, six feet apart right now. Or FaceTime. <laughs> that's fine. Love um, from a distance. Yeah, love from a distance. So, well, I think we've, we've, we've exhausted this topic for tonight, I feel like. Um, are, are you happy? Is your chest clear? Like, it's clear. I mean, I hope people understand, you know, what I'm trying to say, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. You know, these nights are, it's fun to live stream. I don't know. We, it's probably going, probably been going on for about an hour or so, I would imagine. So, yeah. Long time to ask people to watch, but you stayed all the way through. Thanks for tuning in and watching. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're always looking for feedback on how to do these things better. And this is new for us, live streaming, but it's a lot of fun. And it's great having a live audience and being able to interact. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Have a good night. Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus.